Hello, and welcome to our podcast. Today we are talking about how Stalin was a totalitarian leader. We will be covering the areas of control over the party, the secret police and purges and the show trials, cult of personality, new constitution of 1936 and party versus the state. Our first topic is control over the party. Stalin used force and political manoeuvring to have strict control over the party, to the point where the whole system became essentially a rubber approval stamp for Stalin and his Politburo. Thanks to his roles first as Commissar for Nationalities, then as General Secretary, he had already put supporters in powerful positions, people who owed everything to Stalin, and were loyal to him over any ideology or political organisation, including the party itself. This gave him an iron grip on the party members, and therefore control over the party. By this point, however, the party and state had become nearly indistinguishable, with the Politburo, the Soviet form of the cabinet, being purely communist party members, and almost all other parties being outlawed. This control over the party, and therefore the state, allowed him to become a totalitarian dictator, where he had power over practically everything. We can see his totalitarian nature through his crackdown on the party. While he may have discouraged factionalism, Lenin was keen to promote genuine debate within the party, in order to get the best ideas and keep the communist ideology somewhat grounded to the wishes of the proletariat. Evidence of this can be seen in Lenin's willingness to turn his back on war communism, once he realised it had been a near total failure. Stalin, on the other hand, once in power, was not prone to backing down once he'd made his decision, nor was he keen on debate either. This can be seen in his merciless purging of party members who disagreed with him, including most of the old guard, pre-revolution Bolsheviks. These were replaced by yes-men, who would very rarely, if at all, voice opposition to Stalin's plans, instead just acting on whatever decision was made. This is clear evidence to support Stalin being a totalitarian dictator. Many of these joined the party due to the Lenin enrolment, and were generally poorly educated and so suspicious of the more intellectual Trotsky and Bukharin. Many were also simply just young and ambitious, and took jobs within the party due to promises of good pay and the ability to rise through the ranks. These people didn't care about communism, only about furthering their careers, and this helped Stalin govern as a totalitarian dictator, as these men wouldn't care to stand up for what they saw was right, only for what they thought would get them promoted. Stalin also took control over the party in other less subtle ways. From 1923, he started issuing an approved list of delegates for the party congress, and encouraged the local Soviets to elect those people instead of others. This list slowly grew more and more influential in the election of officials over the course of the decade, to the point where Stalin was essentially hand-picking large portions of the Congress himself. This clear disregard for the democratic process and focus on making it easier for Stalin to pass laws with no disagreement clearly shows Stalin was a totalitarian leader. The second topic we are covering is the secret police. The Soviet secret police was transformed under Stalin. Lenin used the Cheka, the GPU and the OGPU to attack the enemies of the party. Stalin used the secret police against that party. Moreover, he used terror much more widely, sending millions into gulags. In order to justify the radical extension of the terror, he developed a new doctrine that led to changing the culture of the secret police. Genrik Yagoda was appointed head of the NKVD in July 1934. Following Karov's death, he was responsible for leading the hunt for enemies of the party. However, Yagoda proved to be a disappointment. Although Yagoda organised, arrested, interrogation of the trial of Zinoviev and Kamenev, Stalin still expected more. He wanted to use opportunity created by Karov's murder to move against Bukharin and Trotsky supporters. Moreover, the scale of the terror in 1935 and 1936 was not unusual by Soviet standards, in that sense too. 
You go to disappoint his Stalin. Yagoda did, however, play an important role in the Great Terror. He collaborated with Stalin in turning the NKVD chief, was a turning point in the Soviet politics. At the end of 1938, the Great Terror began to wind down. Yezov resigned as head of the NKVD in November, to be replaced by Lavretti Beria. Beria's first major successes at the head of the NKVD were Yezov's arrest in April 1939 and Trotsky's murder in Mexico in 1940. During the Second World War, Beria and the NKVD were responsible for policing ethnic minority groups that Stalin still feared would side with the Soviet Union's enemies. In 1942, Beria organised the mass deportation of the Kalmyks from the Kalmykia, which is northwest of the Caspian, to Siberia. Stalin feared that the Kalmyks would welcome a German invasion. By 1953, only 53,000 of the original 130,000 population survived due to the brutal treatment they received in Siberia. In 1944, Beria ordered all 460,000 Chechens from their homeland in Chechnya within seven days. Those unwilling to leave their homes were locked up or burned alive. Overall, there were 170,000 deaths. After the war, the NKVD still continued to persecute the Soviet people. In 1945, the NKVD interrogated the 1.5 million Soviet prisoners of war who had been liberated from Germany. Stalin thought these men of as traitors for allowing themselves to be captured rather than fighting to the death. In 1952-53, many of Stalin's medical staff were arrested as they had been trying to poison him. Stalin dies before the doctor's execution and they were later released. After Beria's death was seen symbolic to the end of Stalin's policy of terror. This was because after Stalin's death there was no return to mass terror and no further use of the NKVD against the party. Therefore, after Stalin's death, Beria was arrested by the NKVD themselves and ex executed for treason and terrorism. Topic 3. Purges and show trials. One reason that proves that Stalin was very totalitarian was through his widespread of political terror to eliminate opponents. The most public aspect of the terror was three show trials that finally removed Stalin's rivals from the 1920s. These were the trial and execution of Zinoviev and Kamenev in 1936, trial and imprisonment of Trotsky's former supporters in 1937, and lastly the trial and execution of Bukharin and 21 of his supporters. The show trials that took place were to prove that those in the USSR who were interested that enemies of all the states still existed despite the Red Terror, and that state leaders such as Stalin were at risk. There is little doubt that those who faced a show trial were going to be found guilty, and they served the main purpose of Stalin to get rid of anyone who might be a potential rival to him as a leader. With that in mind, Zinoviev and Kamenev were told that their children would be executed if they weren't to cooperate. This was justified because in 1934, Stalin had signed a decree that stated that children over the age of 12 could be executed for the crimes of their father. The murder of Kirov, who is the Bolshevik leader in Leningrad, was the cause as to why these trials were taking place, despite the potential murderer to be Stalin himself, because he disliked Kirov's growing popularity. Not only did the trials lead to the death of Stalin's former rivals, but they also destroyed the reputations of the key defendants because all of the defendants had to confess to plotting to murder Kirov and working with capitalist nations to overthrow the Soviet Union. The show trials were a small part of the Great Terror, but they ultimately published the consequences of betraying Stalin and the Soviet Union, and so essentially they were used as reminder to people that they had to be fully committed to Stalin. In addition to the public trials, Stalin organised a trial for the Red Army's leaders in secret. In 1937, a secret trial took place where eight senior generals were tried for plotting to overthrow the government. The eight leaders were worked with Trotsky. He was head of Red Army and therefore Stalin did not trust them. All were executed. 
Following the trial, more than 37,000 officers were purged from the army. Consequently, there was the emergence of a new generation of Communist Party leaders, who owned their positions to Stalin, who were therefore loyal and so the terror affected all parts of the party and the government. Part 4. The Cult of Personality The Cult of Stalin refers to the use of art, photography, books, newspaper articles and speeches to stress Stalin's genius. According to the culture of the 1930s, Stalin was responsible for every major Soviet victory since Lenin's death. The cult of Stalin was an attempt to win the loyalty of the Soviet people. It was also one of Stalin's methods for ensuring his authority was independent of the party and state. The myth of two leaders. Stalin's cult was bound up in the myth of two leaders. This myth led Soviet people to believe that the October Revolution, victory in the Civil War, and the foundation of the Soviet Union had been masterminded by a Dumerite consisting of Lenin and Stalin. The myth required Soviet history to be extensively rewritten, to place Stalin at the centre of events and to remove Trotsky and other leaders from the story. Lenin's heir. The cult of Stalin implied that Stalin was continuing the path of Lenin. Painted used a variety of techniques to show that Stalin was Lenin's true heir. Grigory Chagall's leader, teacher, friend, shows Stalin standing immediately in front of a bust of Lenin. A lot of artwork implies that Stalin is the latest in a tradition of revolutionary leaders. The Vozard. The cult of Stalin also turned Stalin into an infallible and celebrated figure. He was routinely known as the Vozard, which simply means leader. The power of the Vozard have no obvious limit. Pravada and other communist newspapers praised the Vozard's wisdom daily. Stalin's birthday became a national celebration with parades. Generalismo. Stalin's cult of personality changed following the Second World War. From 1945, Stalin's role as General Lomismo became the focus of much Soviet propaganda. This title emphasises Stalin as a military figure. As General Lomismo, Stalin was presented as a military genius, as a man who defeated Hitler and as a saviour of the nation. Stalin designed the uniform himself and the military rank of General Lomismo was created specifically for Stalin. Overall, Stalin's cult of personality was created by Stalin in order to assure his authority show himself and heir of Lenin, and to depict himself as a godlike figure for the people to support him. The fifth topic, the 1936 Constitution. The 1936 Soviet Constitution, adopted on the 5th December 1936, and also known as the Stalin Constitution, redesigned the government of the Soviet Union. It nominally granted all manner of rights and freedoms, and spelled out a number of democratic procedures. In practice, by asserting the leading role of the Communist Party, it cemented the complete control of the party and its leader, Joseph Stalin. The Constitution repealed restrictions on voting and added universal direct suffrage and the right to work to rights guaranteed by the previous Constitution. In addition, the Constitution recognised collective social and economic rights, including the rights to work, rest and leisure, health, protection, care in old age and sickness, housing, education and cultural benefits. The constitution also provided for the direct election of all government bodies and their reorganisation into a single uniform system. It was written by a special, special commission of 31 members, which Stalin chaired. Beginning in 1936, 5th December was celebrated as Soviet Constitution Day in the Soviet Union until 1977. The Soviet constitution moved the day to 7th October before 1936. There was no Soviet Constitution Day. 
Overall, the new 1936 constitution was developed as a way for Stalin to gain control and for Stalin to further his ideology of Stalinism throughout the Soviet Union. Topic 6. Competition between party and state. Following the war, Stalin used the party-state relationship to his advantage, encouraging competition between the two organisations. First, he did this by appointing rival personnel to keep up positions in the party and the state. For example, he placed Andrei Zadunov and Beria's key rival in charge of party supervision of Beria's political police. Encouraging competition between party and state officials meant the senior officials in the Soviet government competed with each other, not with Stalin, increasing the efficiency of administration. Secondly, Stalin shifted power from the party to the state and back again. In the 1938 Politburo was the most senior committee in the government. By 1942, the GKO was the second, was the most powerful committee. And after the war, the Council of Ministers became the most powerful. By shifting the centre of power within the government, Stalin was able to ensure that none of the senior committees grew to rival him. To conclude, Stalin's former government has often been described as totalitarian, and we agree. In essence, many historians and political scientists argue that Stalin constructed a new kind of dictatorship. Unlike previous dictatorships, Stalin had complete control of the economy, had complete control of media, used extensive propaganda to win the hearts and minds of his people, used widespread political terror to eliminate his components. Stalin's dictatorship also has different aims from previous dictatorships. Whereas dictators as the Tsar had, had been content with the absence of opposition, Stalin demanded heartfelt enthusiasm from his people. In that sense, Stalin did not simply want obedience, he wanted full commitment from his people.